welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast, where you'll learn how to structure terms and use various creative financing strategies to create profitable deals for short and long-term wealth. Whether you're a buy and hold investor, wholesaler, or flipper, learning creative financing will help you do more deals and unlock profits that you may not even know existed. On the Creative Financing Podcast, we break down actual deals we and our guests are doing and simplify the methods and terms used to execute these strategies. Now, let's dive in and create some terms. Hello and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with Jeff Rappaport. And today, guys, this will be part three in our series on lease options, the four ways to use them. Um, so if you haven't checked out the last couple episodes, go back and do that because there is such value uh, in the ways and the scenarios um, that that we've been talking about here. And just to recap those real quick on the last uh, two episodes, we talked about wholesaling a lease option um, and then using a, a master lease option or a sandwich lease option uh, to stay in the middle, collect an option deposit up front, and then on the back end as well when your buyer goes to execute so Jeff said on our last episode that this scenario here will be a better deal than the last scenario that we talked about. So it better be Jeff. Well, the, the pressure is on. <laughs> well, so, let, yeah. let me ask you a question, Jonathan. Um, as a real estate investor, what do you really want to try to accomplish? Passive cash flow. Passive cash flow. Yep. Um, so you like the last one that we did the last episode, which was the sandwich lease option where you could get some passive income yep. on a property you don't own, right? Yes. What if I told you that you could use lease options and get that same passive income, but on a much larger scale? Like doing commercial? Maybe. Maybe. Um, okay. I'm interested. I, but. <laughs> what, what if I could tell you that you, know, you could create a massive passive income without owning any properties, without having to go put your name on a loan, without syndicating, without raising private or hard money, uh, would you be interested? Absolutely. Okay. So now the cat's got to come out of the bag, right? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. What we're going to talk about today is called the master lease option. Uh, I've kind of stayed away from this over the years, but I actually just made an offer using it. I actually ended up just taking a class right after that. And I'm like, why am I not using this? Um, this is an unbelievable good way of getting it. Do you, let, let me ask you, Jonathan, does it matter to you? And it might. Uh, there, there are benefits of owning and there's disadvantages of owning. But um, ultimately, you want the cash flow, right? Yeah. yeah. Cash flow leads to financial freedom. Yeah, that's the goal. With, with ownership comes liability. Yep. With ownership means uh, a lot of times that you've signed a personal guarantee to someone, yep. a lender, a hard money lender, a private money someone right with a master lease option you don't need that let me tell you how this is going to work and i'll i'll give you we're not going to go deep into this example because 
we, we could dig deep, but really what I need to point out to you is why this would work, okay? And some scenarios that it works just really well with. Um, but let's think small scale right away. Okay. So what, what if you just went, you're interested in buying some multifamily properties, two to four units, okay? And you find some property that's neglected. Um, you know, do you think you can find properties that are not living up to its potential? Absolutely. I mean, all over the country in every market, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, what's one of the reasons why people don't want to sell? What's one of the reasons? Yeah. Well, what's There's a good reason why if you went to a landlord and he said, hey, I'm, I'm interested in buying your property. You want a cash offer? And th th their objection is what? They, they like the, the monthly income or there's, you know, a, a tax consequence. That so they... there's two really good reasons, right? Yep. So we can overcome both of them with this strategy. And that's yeah. what I like about it. Okay, I see where you're going. Okay, so um, let, let, let's just... Uh, so I'm going to give you an example, but and then we'll go back to like the duplex, fourplex. But here's a way to start controlling and getting passive income from much larger um, apartments without all the um, costly entanglements. Okay? okay. So I was working with um, a previous apprentice of mine, and it was very clear when he was with us that his his passion is for apartments. And since he's left our program, um, he has been looking for apartments. And we've put together a couple of deals with a master lease option. And uh, my, my guess is, is that um, he will end up getting this apartment and maybe another um, just because of the way that we structured it. So, what we're looking for are apartments that are renting under market value. Um, and that might be poor management, poor occupancy, deferred maintenance, any one of those reasons. Or uh, how about even a fourth reason where no one's raised the rents in years, right? Um, you know, uh, when someone gets in there, they just leave them alone. They don't raise rents at all. So there is a potential to raise rents potentially significantly. So we're, we're looking at this 20 unit apartment building and I don't remember the numbers, so I just I came up with some generic numbers, okay? But so let's say that this 20 unit apartment building is renting for $10,000 a month, okay? Which is undervalued. It could be renting for $15,000 a month but you know, it hasn't been updated in a while, the rents haven't been raised, management's not the best, all of these issues that we just talked about. So what if we went in and we said to the seller, what I'd like to do is lease option your property. Um, and uh, we, we can do it for as long as you like, and there could eventually be a purchase of the property, or there doesn't even necessarily need to be a purchase. But if there's no purchase, we're going to structure it a little differently. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at all their numbers, their financials. Um, 
their profit and loss, their T12. So what their, their rents compared to their expenses, okay? And uh, so let, let's say in this case, you know, all these units are renting for an average of $500 a month, but they really should be at 750. And uh, so maybe with, oh, I don't know, three, $4,000 per unit, um, they could be getting that kind of rent. Um, maybe without even doing work to them, that you could raise them $75 a month by doing nothing other than raising the rent. So you make a deal that, hey, right now you're getting $10,000 income. However, you know, you have taxes, insurance, uh, maintenance, repairs, uh, capital expense, um, utilities, you know, all the expenses. Well, when, when it's all said and done, you, you're making, you know, six. So how about I agree to give you six? thousand dollars a month in rent and that way you know that there's not going to be any major issue that you're going to have to deal with and um, you're going to get a set amount each month and what we're going to do is we're now going to manage this property and you know build these rents and the the positive cash flow that comes in from it goes into our pocket now you can structure this in a lot of different ways, right? So in this particular case, what, what we're doing is structuring a purchase when the seller dies because we're dealing with heirs that don't want their father to sell this property because he's owned it for like 30 years. So he would have to pay back all of the capital gains, the, the depreciation, that he's been able to do over the last 30 years. If they wait until he passes away, they get a stepped up basis. So they save a tremendous amount on taxes. So could you see that a master lease option isn't a sale, it's a rent. So there's no taxable gain, um, there's no taxable event. So you gain control of this asset and now you have a purchase price based on um, that it might be three years, five years, 10 years down the road, or based on a specific event happening, in this case, the father passing away, you're agreeing to a certain rent. You may agree this property had some capital expense needed. So it needed some, a couple of roofs, it needed some uh, parking lot um, repairs, asphalt, um, that kind of stuff. So you can structure, hey, the seller still pays certain expenses, um, buyer, the tenant buyer, the, the master lease option buyer will pay certain expenses. You can structure it however you need to. Um, in this case, um, we structured giving the, the owner, the, so the purchase price I think on this property was gonna be like 1.8 million and um, he agreed to come up with 80,000 as an option deposit. Okay, that means again, just like we've talked about in our other examples, that 80,000 will come off the purchase price of 1.8. What's that? 1.8. 1. 1. 1. 1. 
Yeah. Okay. If and when he exercises his option. If he doesn't, that's non-refundable. Now, in this particular situation, the heirs don't want that to be very much money um, because uh, even though the sale hasn't occurred, they don't want they don't want this money. They don't realize that, that they don't have to pay any taxes on it now. They, they're thinking they will. That's not the case. Um, they, they pay taxes on when either the option is exercised or it is not exercised. So, but, or any so, income distributions they get prior to that. Exactly. So the so the heirs are like, hey, you know, we don't want you to put much money down. Okay. Um, what we then asked is, with that eighty thousand, that the owner go and do some of that capital, all of that capital expense, replace the roofs, do the the asphalt in the parking lot, um, and it. it that will cover it all plus some. So, so is this uh, a lease a lease option deposit, Jeff, that, that you're putting down? It, yeah, it's option an option deposit. deposit. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, but we're asking the seller, we're now basically saying, hey, we're giving you the money to go do these capital expenses. Um, that About way. 80K. Yep. But it's coming off the purchase price. Yeah. Right. And then the the master lease option buyer will then start generating this positive cash flow. We've worked out which expenses would you know the seller would pay for, which expenses he would pay for, and now now he has this tied up in, and and can be making money every single month until the the owner passes away and. He can make this property worth probably 2.2, 2.3 million um, in the next three to five years um, by increasing the rents, decreasing the expenses, um, getting the NOI up. And when it's time for him to go buy, um, he'll have that 80,000 that would come off the purchase price. And, but he will have an asset that's one, paid him passive income. Now, that the one negative is that he did have to come up with that option deposit. But could you see that in some cases, um, you, you won't even need to come up with the option deposit. I mean, if you think about this, he had a property manager, it was his daughter, I believe, that he was paying a certain amount a month, a month to manage the property. Well, he doesn't need that manager anymore. That, that's no longer an expense for him because really what's going to happen is this buyer is going to manage the property, collect the rents, you know, add um, pets to, the, to uh, the rents, to up the rents, you know, put in some different um, money-making strategy so that you know we can continue to keep increasing the rents yeah and now he has control of this property okay and so. you know with potential of making you know four or five thousand dollars or more um passive income okay so let me just recap here real quick so the example is a 20 unit multi-family apartment building that's way under market value <laughs> um 
that say 10 K a month in, in rents, uh, the market rent could be 15 K a month. You offer the seller a master lease option where they have no responsibility for maintenance or repairs and they get a guaranteed per a guaranteed price of say, I think you said 6,000. Yeah. Uh, a guaranteed rent and a guaranteed option price somewhere down the road. Okay. So guaranteed rent of say 6 K a month. Um, and then a guaranteed purchase price, of, uh, it's not a guaranteed purchase price. It's an option price, right? Okay, that option, option price that, okay. that he can purchase. We don't know if it'll be a year or five or 10. Yeah. Okay. So Which is a little unusual, but, um, I think that's the way to go when you're dealing with this type of situation, which we, we've run into a number of times now, um, nice. where it's an older owner and, you know, the heirs are part of the decision-making process and they don't want to deal with this. They don't want to sell. They don't want to deal with the property now, uh, but they, they don't want to sell the property either because they, you know, they're going to pay a lot in taxes. Yeah. So an option uh, price to purchase it at 1.8 million um, lease option deposit of 80 K to be deducted from the purchase price. And then you talked about creating an agreement with the seller for capital repairs to be made. And I guess you could require those to be made within what, 30 to 60 days of them. Of yeah. yeah but you'll set up a, a time frame. Obviously he wants to get that money from uh, the yeah. tenant buyer. So yeah, you would need to get that. And then, yeah. and then he would be required to make certain capital repairs uh, within that 30 to 60 days yeah. of the next release. Or you could even have it where the tenant buyer will make those repairs and they come to an agreement on how much that's going to be. And, you know, um, and he pays the option deposit separately to the seller. That way, you know, it's going to get done, done the way that you want, um, done within the time frame that you were thinking. Yeah. So in that example, the tenant buyer would uh, make the necessarily necessary repairs, capital repairs, and then minus that from that deposit and then give the deposit, the remainder of that option deposit to the seller. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It can be worked out any way that you want, which is the cool thing. So you can work out, Hey, Mr. Seller, you still own this property. So you're paying the taxes and insurance on it. We'll pay the utilities. We'll pay the maintenance and repairs, but any capital expenses that come up, any um, roofs that need to be replaced, any um, electrical plumbing, you know, HVACs, all that kind of stuff, that's your expense. Um, because you know, you've owned this property for 30 years, there's wear and tear on this stuff. Yeah. I actually like the idea of the tenant buyer making the improvements up front with a, you know, agreed on price of what that will cost so that they're in control because you could hand over your 80 K and then the seller does nothing. Well, that, that's why I'm saying maybe you work it out that yeah. you figure out what's going to be repaired and, um, you take that off yeah. the, the option. Yeah. Right. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what I'd probably want to do is show a check being made out to the seller and then another check back to um, the tenant buyer to do those repairs based on what you've agreed to. Yeah, okay, cool. 
But let me give one other quick example, because this is a big one, right? Or a bigger one. Um, but think about this, even if you were just trying to do this on a small scale, okay? There, there are duplexes through fourplexes all over the country that people don't really want. You know, they're lower price range. Um, you know, but they've got issues, property management, vacancy, um, low rents. Um, that, do you think it's possible to get into this property with little to no money down? Um, so the option deposit is like nothing. I mean, think about this. If I came to you, Jonathan, you had a fourplex. And th let's just say you own a fourplex in Utah, which is, you know, it's worth some money. Um, you know, let's yeah. say it's bringing in $4,000 a month and you, know, you think it's worth $700,000. Um, yeah. something like that but you know this is a fourplex that you know your hands off you, you you don't deal with deferred maintenance you know you're just happy you have tenants and instead of paying a thousand dollars a month each unit they're paying 550 um so you're only collecting 2200 but you don't know much on it it's not you know it's not a big deal for you and um, but you'd probably still manage this on your own. And, you know, you're tired of getting phone calls from tenants. You're tired of fixing things. You're tired of people moving out. And then you've got to, you know, at least get it in presentable condition and deal with applications and get people in there. Yeah. So isn't it possible that you could say, look, I'll, I'll come in. I'll do all that for you. Um, uh, you know, you continue to pay the taxes and insurance. Uh, I'll make sure that you get $1,600 a month guaranteed rent. You know, and what I do is just try to figure out about where they are right now um, and try to offer that. Um, they'll pay the taxes and insurance. Maybe that equals, you know, uh, where they were, what they were getting already. And now, you know, we immediately start raising rents. Um, we don't have any money into this up front. We have an option deposit to buy at a good price. And um, what, what, what would you have to come with a down payment on, on like, let's say, uh, you know, $500,000 fourplex right now? Oh, it's like... If you were going to go get a conventional loan. Like 100K? Yeah, at least, right? Um, uh, in this scenario, you're getting in with zero. If we were yeah. looking at that 1.8 million, if he was going to buy that, how much would he have to come up with? A lot. Yeah, like 450,000. Yep. Yep. Instead of 80. Five percent of that. Yeah, 450. Instead of 80. Yeah. So it's a, significantly less. You can gain control of some of these properties and build this passive income. And then eventually buy these properties at a discount, right? Um, the goal would be is that, hey, you know, I, I contracted to buy this fourplex for 500000 Now I've gotten the rents up and, you know, it's really a $700,000 property. And, you know, I'm buying based on that now. So I've created myself some equity. Yeah. Um, just like uh, my student um, did on the the 20 unit apartment. Yeah. So on that, on that 20 unit apartment, how do you make the term of that lease option? If it's, is it just, you know, 
is it written in there? Um, option will what what we do is we put will, with the, the option will terminate within six months after the passing of the owner, and okay. um, and uh, heirs are responsible for um, communicating that passing to um, uh, to the tenant buyer within a certain amount of time. So option will terminate within six months. I think it was option needed to be um, uh, you had to go through with the option within six months. And now would you record a notice of interest then? Or Absolutely. Of memorandum on title? Oh, yes. And then send out a new rent collection letter to, to tell your tenants, hey, rent has to be paid to, to you now? That's correct. Yeah, you'd probably have the owner do that saying that um, we have someone new handling all the management responsibilities. Payments need to be made here. Um, you, know, you also have to take into account, um, so we, we would have the seller maintain all the deposits. That way anyone that moves out, the seller is dealing with um, keeping or returning deposits. Um, you don't want that. You didn't take those. You didn't, you didn't take make those deposit. leases. Yeah. Going forward, you would then collect the deposits um, for anyone that knew that you put in there. Um, and then you, you slowly go start raising rents. You know, in this case, it would be, you know, three, four at a time. You know, it would just come up $50, $75 um, a month rent. So right off the bat, within, you know, four or five months, you're going to... Um, increase this um by what um fifteen hundred um uh just an increasing in rents and then as people move out and some will move out right uh that now you're going to decide whether you're going to do some maintenance um some renovation to those units and start renting them more at top rents and then you're going to probably start, I, I know he is, he would do a pet rent, pet deposit. He will allow, you know, pets and uh, he will increase his rent based on that. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. That's a great example, man. Uh, I've never, I've actually never thought about a master lease option on like a big multi. You could do it not only on apartments or small multi, but you could do it on Storage units. with income, storage yeah. units, RV, mobile home parks. Yeah. You're just looking for that value add, right? But yeah. where additional value can be added either yeah. through better management, filling vacancies, um, raising making, rents, making capital like that, deferred maintenance. <laughs> exactly. Well, cool. That's, that's awesome. I've, you know, so at, once that seller dies, um, do you guys still, you have the option to purchase the property at mm -hmm. 1.8 then? Yep. And you can execute that. Correct. And would that, is that value determined by uh, the, the current performance of the property? I, I personally think that that value is inflated a bit based on where it is right now. Okay. But, um, yeah, because you certainly want, I mean, 
the value add that you create, I think you would want to kind of lock that, that into. It, it's it's all going to be based on your negotiations, right? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's not all the negotiations just with the owner. There, yeah. there may be negotiations with the heirs. And uh, in this case, there were. Um, yeah. Actually, uh, he was negotiating with the owner and the owner kept putting him off because he kept saying he's going to talk to his um, children. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. until he went and he figured out who the main child was and he went and met with him. And when he explained this, um, it made a whole lot more sense now because there's no one in the family that the, the, the owner does not want to keep doing this. He hired his daughter to be the manager, so she's getting money every month, but he's really doing the management. He doesn't, he, he no longer wants to do this. He's older, yeah. he, he wants to move on. So yeah. in his mind, I want to sell. And the, the heirs are like, no, don't. And yeah. so here we are, we've got a solution for you. And that, that's what creative financing is really all about is, you know, what's the issue and how do we create a solution that will work for not only the seller and the heirs, but as far as for you as well. Yeah. How do we solve their problem and make it work for us as well? That's right. Yeah, we talked about that with Andy McFarland. Yep. But you know, this is perfect for older. You know, a lot of people would say, well, I'm just going to 1031 exchange this. And... Uh, which means I just want to get cash and then I'll put it somewhere else so I can defer my taxes. I, I promise you, if you're talking to an elderly owner um, and you ask him, is that really what you want to be doing? Do you really want to 1031 into another um, property um, or would it be better if you could just retire? Many of them will say, I'd rather retire, but I can't pay those taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and but doing a 1031 exchange has its own challenges. Um, finding, yeah. you know, finding the property um, that you're going to purchase, identifying the property within 45 days from, you know, the sale of, of your property and yep. then, uh, and then, you know, completing that transaction within the six month time period. That's, it's real hard to do that. Um, yeah, uh, typically people give up, especially uh, with a, a good asset to get one that's you now maybe not as good a return on investment. Yeah. Just to avoid that tax consequence. Yeah. And it's, it's easier to do with, you know, single family or, you know, small, small multifamily because it's easier to move up. But when you're already at 20 units, yeah. yeah. I mean, you really got to do some hunting for a good Well, deal. they were, you know, what the child wanted was he was doing something with storage units and he wanted his dad to, to sell and do a 1031 into the storage units that kind of fell apart. Um, the dad doesn't, dad wants to be out, right? Yeah, he wants to be out of the game. <laughs> yeah. He wants to be out. And he's like, you know, you guys fight over all this because th th this is your inheritance when I'm gone. Um, yeah. Yeah, but he's the one being penalized right now. Yeah, yep. Well, that's an awesome example. Um, so, guys, if you haven't followed along, go back and re-listen to this episode because, man, that is this is this is like a phenomenal strategy, really. Um, you know, and especially if you have 
owners that own the property for a really long time. They're, you know, up there in their years, they're in their seventies, eighties or whatever. And they, they just want to be done with it and their kids want nothing to do with it. I mean, this is a great, great scenario for that. So kudos uh, to you, Jeff. Um, your scenario four better be way better than this now. So, <laughs> maybe I should have waited for this one for four. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got to bring you got to bring the fire I'll now. Bring, I'll bring it. I'll, <laughs> I will bring it. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, we're gonna wrap it up here. So, uh, if you want to get a hold of us, if you're interested in Jeff's apprenticeship programs, um, give us a call on our hotline at eight seven seven four zero nine eight zero nine zero. You can also text CFP or Creative Financing to 877-409-8090 to get special access to a step-by-step video on creating um, seller financing offers or creative financing offers on a single family home and um, going through that that deal from start to finish uh, to wholesaling it on the back end and collecting a payment. Um, Yeah, so if you don't have that, go, go get that right now. Just just text CFP to 877-409-8090 right now to go get that because that's a no-brainer. Everyone um, loves that. And I don't know why more people don't get it. Maybe they don't listen to the end of our podcast. Yeah. So uh, definitely go get that. Um, you can find all of our episodes at the Creative Financing Podcast.com. <clears throat> We're also on Facebook under the same name, the Creative Financing Podcast, and Instagram. So check us out in those places. We have a uh, we have a educational program that we're putting together strictly on seller or creative financing. Um, so if you are interested in that, uh, it'll be you know a video format. Um, it will have uh, you know different sections. We'll section off different strategies, um, teach you how to use a financial calculator. We'll put in, you know, all the documents you may need. Um, and so it'd be, you know, a a one place source for, uh, learning creative financing to either supplement your business or create a business entirely off of, uh, using creative financing. So if you're interested in that, give us a call. Um, we'll be rolling that out here in the next couple weeks if it's not out by the time you're listening to this episode so jeff any last words yeah um if you are working on a deal and you need help structuring go to our uh, we will have a facebook page soon go there don't call into the hotline call into the hotline if you're interested in the apprentice program which is based on wholesaling with some creative financing all across the country and uh earn while you learn program or our new creative financing program. Um, Otherwise you're gonna be really upset because I can't get back to everyone quick enough. So I don't want you to miss out on your deals. I wanna try to help put it in our Facebook group. Oh, and by the way, I believe that when you've listened to this episode, we've now accomplished 100,000 downloads. Um, I, I thank you, Jonathan. I thank everyone out there listening, but I'm going to ask for your help. We did this with almost no social media, with almost no publicity. Now we're starting to get into social media. We need your help. Share, like, um, do anything that you can. Let us reach more and more people. The more people we reach, the more kinds of things that we can offer all of you. Absolutely, yeah. So thanks to all of our listeners out there, um, especially for those who have been 
you know, started with us from the beginning. Thank you. Uh, we really appreciate your ear. Um, and yeah, that's, yeah, that's an accomplishment. Thank you, Jeff, uh, for, for always bringing the, the value here uh, in, in, you know, teaching me and our audience uh, how to use these strategies. Well, you don't know this, but you got a test coming up in the next few episodes. We're going to find out what you've actually learned over the last two years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Okay, guys. Till next time, go out there and create some terms. Thanks for listening to the Creative Financing Podcast. We need your feedback to continue to bring you the best strategies in creative financing. So please subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate your ear and please pass this on. Until next time, create some terms. This show offers general information on creative financing strategies and real estate investments. Nothing contained herein should be considered personal, legal, or financial advice. Every state has individual laws governing the use and type of documents used to execute strategies discussed herein. You should consult with a local licensed real estate broker and attorney before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed, and opinions of the guests are their own. Profits are not guaranteed, and there's always inherent risk in real estate investing.